Psalm 89 says, With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 96, declare, it's a command. Command on your life, uh, command on my life. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all peoples. Isaiah 43, verse 7 and 10. Everyone, every, everyone here in this room who is called by my name, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you. And I know many of you probably know how to finish, but think about what Jesus is saying there. Follow me and this is what I'll turn you into. If you're following me, this is what you're going to become. This is where we're going. This is what it's going to look like. I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 16, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Jesus said to him, Luke chapter 8, Jesus said to him, declare another command for you, for me. Declare how much God has done for you. Luke 24, Jesus said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all this is from God, who through Christ has reconciled us to Himself and gave us, gave, gave you personally, gave me the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. Listen to this, not counting their trespasses against them. And that message he is entrusted to you and to me, entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Listen to this phrase, God making his appeal through us. God is pleading at your workplace through you. God is pleading at your schools through you. God is pleading in your neighborhood through you. 1 Peter chapter 3, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Folks, I could take the rest of our time this hour and just go verse after verse, command after command of what you and I are to be, witnesses for the gospel witnesses for Jesus Christ, what He's done for us, and what He will do for them. Listen, witnessing is not something we do as Christians. Witnessing is not something we do as a follower of Jesus. Witnessing is the thing that we do. I would suggest to you it is the singular reason, the one reason that you and I have been left on the earth. We might do a lot of things in a lot of places, but in all of that, to be His witness. 
We're continuing our, today our series called The Core. We're looking at the core values of our church family, the things that, that drive us, the things that everything comes back to, the things that we make sure we're always doing. So far, we've said God's Word is the core, right? Man, we value God's Word. We value it as the sole authoritative source for truth on everything pertaining to faith and to life. We value a lifestyle of worship and prayer. That means we value big worship, memorable worship, simple worship. Remember what we said last week? A, a worship that will inspire us and encourage us to take on another seven days of trying to minimize ourselves and, and magnify God. And today we come to say, hey, here at the Heights, we value, we value encouraging, training, uh, inspiring, preparing, providing you, providing all followers of Jesus an opportunity to share the gospel. When we talk about being a witness, I think a lot of times we usually refer to it as an event or an activity, and that's because that's what it is. Uh, it is an event. But it is more than an event, folks. Witnessing or being a witness, that's our identity. It's who we are. You heard it in the Old Testament, Isaiah 43 that I just referred to. You are my witnesses. You heard it again in the New Testament, Acts chapter 1. You are my witnesses. And so, yeah, it's an event. I mean, I can come home and say, hey, I got to witness to somebody today. That's an event. That's an activity. It had a beginning. It had an end. I can say, hey, I'm going up to church tonight. We're going witnessing. So it's an event, but folks, so much more. It's who we are. And the big question, who am I? <laughs> you are, I am a witness for Jesus Christ. You know that word witness in the Greek language comes from the word martyros. What word do you think we get from that in the English language? Martyr. You know what a martyr is, don't you? Man, that's somebody who dies for a cause. Somebody who dies for something. This, this truth that we give witness to, we would stake our lives on it. Now, more likely than not, folks, most of us in here are not going to have to lay down our lives for the gospel. In our context, in our culture, at least at present, that doesn't seem to be anything that, that any of us are going to have to do. But whether we ever have to do that or not, doesn't that word say something about our commitment? Doesn't that say something about our, pa our passion? If you would die for something, wouldn't you assume, boy, that's something I'm really passionate about. So that's something I'm really committed to. Man, can I, can I call it passion? Can I call it commitment? If I do it once or twice in a lifetime? Can I call it passion? Can I call it commitment? If I only do it, you know, in just fear and trembling, kind of almost forced into a situation? No, folks, think about the things you're passionate about. The things that excite you. And when you think about those things, those are things you don't have to be encouraged to talk about them. You're looking for every opportunity you can to talk about that, to do that, to share that with another. We talk about our passions and our excitements. And that's what we're talking about with being a witness. Man, every day, every week, we're looking for an opportunity to talk about it. We're looking for an opportunity to be better at it. Man, I can always be more fluid. I can always be a better communicator. Maybe get better at answering certain questions I always hear coming up. But you know, folks, when I talk about being better at it, don't ever miss just the absolute simplicity 
the absolute simplicity of what Jesus is calling you and me to be and to do. I mean, we give witness to a very simple message. Here it is. You can be God's friend. He's ready and willing to forgive your sins. He's done that for me. That's our message. It doesn't have to be any more complex than that. Now, we might package that message and, and present it in a couple of different ways. You know, one way we present that is, is through our own life story. We tell our own personal story with Jesus. We might share a little bit about, hey, here's what my life was like before, before I met Christ. Hey, here's some of the events, the circumstances that, that led up to me coming to faith in Christ. Or, boy, here's where I am in my walk and my relationship with the Lord right now. And so we might, we might communicate part of that message just by simply telling the story of our life with Jesus. And of course, I think we want to couple with that another way to package that truth, and that is with some scriptures. Man, I want to take a handful of scriptures. I want to take some biblical ideas and communicate a, a gospel outline. And so we'll communicate these things, and, and that's a way of presenting the gospel. Now, that's simple, but I can still imagine, you know, well, okay, that's simple. I get that, but... Gosh, I'm not sure what passages I would use to do that. Or, okay, I see what you're saying about my story, but I'm not really sure how I would put that story together. Well, that's why we teach and train that here at our church. We have a class, we call it Faith, F-A-I-T-H, Faith. We run this class twice a year at least. We run it every year, year after year after year. Why? Because it's what we value. There's very little other classes that we do anything like this with. We do this because it's what we value. And you can go into this class and in a classroom setting, you can learn how to put your story together. Learn how to tell that in about three to four minutes. You can put together a series of passages and some biblical ideas and learn how to communicate the gospel. You know, we're, this is so much what we value that even though we wouldn't normally do this, just because of this sermon today... We're going to start a new class Wednesday just because we know and it's happened in every service so far. Uh, dozens of people already saying, hey, I need to know how to do that. I want to do that. So we're going to start a class this Wednesday night, six weeks. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be able to get it wrapped up before summertime really gets going. Six weeks, Wednesday, you go into a classroom, you learn how to put that story together. You learn how to put those passages together. You have a chance to practice it there in the room. And then we go out into the real big world. Right out there in a live setting and you get to watch somebody do that. And prayerfully, hopefully, have that opportunity yourself. You know, folks, showing how these values work. When you look at the, the new campus that we've started out in Midlothian. You know, when you think about all the things we do here. All of the different things that are provided and opportunities. Well, as we're starting that new opportunity and we don't have the buildings and all that. We've said, boy, we've got to make sure two things are done. First of all, we've got to make sure we've got a, a way and a place for people to gather weekly in worship. Because as we heard last week, that's what we value. A lifestyle of worship. So we, we, that's our first priority. Our second priority is being able to create an opportunity for people to, to gather together in smaller groups, to study His Word, to pray, to, to do ministry together, to, to follow Christ together. We value that. You're going to hear about that next week. That's a little commercial for next Sunday. Yeah, we value living in Christ together. So we said, well, we've got to do that. We got to make sure that happens. And we, we went into this, you know, with two clear priorities, very simple, not providing, not doing a lot of the other things that are done, say, here at this campus. But the one other thing on top of those two things is this. 
And we're, we're looking for that way outside of a small group structure. Hey, how do we teach faith? How do we do that? We're getting that up and running right now out there at the Midlothian campus too. Why? Because this is what we value. We value training, encouraging, inspiring, providing opportunities for every believer to simply be and do what Jesus has called them to be and do. You know, whenever I talk about witnessing, I like sharing two stories. They're, they're, uh, they're older stories. I could share newer ones, but what I like about these two stories is the way they go together. It shows how extremely different witnessing can take you into extremely different situations. You know, get you talking with extremely different people and, and, and just these incredibly different environments and yet see what comes out of that being very similar. One story I love sharing is uh, uh, happened a long time ago, 1985. It was a summer evening, July of 1985. I was walking down the streets of Tbilisi, Georgia. Now, you may be thinking, I'm from Georgia, and I don't remember there being a city named Tbilisi there. Well, I'm not talking about Georgia the state. I'm talking about Georgia the nation. You may not have known there was, there was one, but there, there is and there was. And uh, as a matter of fact, it was a part of the Soviet bloc countries. It was a part of the USSR back then. And uh, so I'm in, I'm in uh, Georgia walking down this street. You know, normally when you think of the USSR, you would think of a, boy, that was an atheistic country. But in this area that I was at, it was mostly a Muslim or Islamic nation and so uh, walking down the street one evening I'm with three friends and uh, we're, we're walking down the street and this guy starts to approach us and and if my mom would have been with me she'd have grabbed my head and said we're going to the other side of the street I mean this is a guy you don't you don't look to engage in conversation this is a guy you look the other way and act like you didn't make eye contact I mean this, this is not somebody like you you see him coming and you're thinking Ugh. He starts to approach us, and he's approaching us because I'm pretty sure it's clear from a mile away that we're Americans. And, and he's looking for whatever he can get from us because then he can turn around and sell it on the black market. So he's approaching us, and he, he's drinking, he's cussing. I mean, he's just, you know, I, I'm going to go to the other side of the street. But we end up in a conversation with him. And, and we were there for probably about 10 or 15 minutes. And then myself and, and one other guy, there was four of us, I said, two of them, two of them left. And, and myself and this other guy, we end up going back to his apartment. And that evening, we end up having the opportunity to, to share the gospel with him. Man, to make a long story short, he prayed to receive Christ. And uh, man, it was an exciting evening. It was one of the most memorable moments in my life, seeing this guy come to Christ. And we had some materials on us that, uh, you know, we could leave behind to kind of help him get growing and get started in this new Christian life. And we prayed with him. And as we walked out of his apartment that night, well, we knew I'm never going to see him again. Matter of fact, the next morning we were leaving to go to the, the next nation. We started off in Moscow and then we were a, a week each in, in three of these other republics in the southern part of the USSR. And, and so, I mean, we're flying out the next morning early. So you know, I'm never going to see this guy again. Now, when we got back to the United States, we took his name, we took his contact information, and we shared it uh, w with one of the missionaries there. We were a, a, a formal group that had gone over there. It was like 200 of us, but as we, as we traveled throughout the Soviet Union, we were in groups of four. And so when we were all back together, was with this missionary, I gave him the information. They couldn't live in the USSR, but they would go in and out, and uh, they would follow up on contacts and you know, try to get him discipled and everything. So fast forward now about four or five years. 
And I'm at a, an event in Colorado, and it, it's kind of an informal gathering of some of us who had, had been on that trip four or five years ago. And that missionary was there. And so he walks up to me and he says, aren't you the guy who gave me that name uh, of, of that guy in Tbilisi, Georgia, about four or five years ago? And I said, man, yeah, I can't, I can't believe you remembered that. I barely remembered you. And uh, he said, remembered that? And he said, man, let me tell you something. He said, uh, I went that fall. We were there in the summer. He said, I went that fall to follow him up. And I've never quite seen a guy so passionate, so excited about his new faith in Christ. I mean, any conversation he could have, any material we could give him, I mean, he would just consume it, gobble it up. He was so excited. Well, as he began growing and developing in the Lord, anybody in the, in the nation of Georgia that came to Christ, we just started funneling them to, the, to him. Now, when I say the nation, it sounds like a big place. The nation of Georgia is probably not much bigger than our state of Georgia. You know, so they, they would funnel him names and he would move out around that area and go follow those people up. Well, as he's getting to know believers, he also knows the underground church. He knows the pastors of these underground churches and he's making sure these believers are getting connected with these churches. Well, after a year or two of, of doing this, he, he's the only one in the nation that just about knows every believer and knows every church and every pastor and he becomes like pastor to the nation. This is a guy nine times out of ten I would look to avoid. I'd love to say that's not true of me anymore. This is a guy normally I'm not going to have a conversation with. I'm not going to try and talk to. But one evening, and four or five years later, he's pastoring a nation. So you, you picture this guy? Okay, we're in a foreign nation, a guy we would avoid, I don't know how old he was, probably in his 40s, give or take a couple of years, kind of, kind of rough, kind of burly, cusser, drinker, coming at us. Now you got that picture? Now here's, just a, couldn't be any more opposite picture. Cute little girl in the United States. At least I thought she was kind of cute. Kind of had my eye on her. So it was a couple of days after Christmas and I went by her house to, to, to pick her up. We were going to go to the mall and I think hang out, walk around. I, I had to have liked her Why else would I be going to the mall. But uh, so I go pick her up. She comes out to my car, my 1980 Berlinetta metallic gold, bought with my own money after mowing 7,000 yards, Camaro. She comes out to my car and boy, visibly upset. And I'm 17 years old and she's crying and, and she starts to tell me about what's going on inside her house. She starts to tell me about her family life. Some of you probably have an idea of the kinds of things she might have been talking about. You know when you've got those kind of issues in the home, it, not much worse than the holidays. Whatever's wrong in the, in the home, the holidays just seem to, to ramp it up. And so in the midst of that moment, she come, you know, that's, that's when I pulled up to her driveway. And she starts to share all this. And I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm 17 years old. I don't have a clue what to say to her. I have no clue, no idea what to say in this moment. And by the way, at this moment, I didn't know how to put together my personal story and, 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 and share that. I, I didn't have memorized a, a set of passages, a set of biblical ideas to communicate the gospel. I mean, I, just, I didn't know what to do. And you know, a lot of us guys, a girl crying, that just kind of paralyzes you. you just... And, you know, I just, I wouldn't even say I was thinking through this. I just reached over to my glove compartment, opened it up, and I pulled out a, a four spiritual laws. 
Some of y'all might know what that is. That's an old witnessing track put out by Campus Crusade. And I, did, I didn't have it memorized or anything. I opened it up and I just started reading it. Sitting there in the car. I just started reading it to her. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It says here, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him. I mean, that's what I was doing. I was nervous. I was scared. And I'm just reading it to her. Probably about as monotone as you could get. We get to the end of this thing and it says, man, you can ask Christ into your life. And she does. And she prays to receive Christ right there. Now, you know, in her situation at home, it was a probably, I could say, probably a little bit of a challenge to, to really, unlike this guy who just took off like a rocket, for her it was probably another year or so. The home environment was not very encouraging for that. But when she got to college and was able to get discipled, and she became a witness. She would tell you today that, you know, asking Christ in my life changed my life. But just as profound, just as much, was picking up His identity for me. The abundance of the Christian life for these two people who could not be more different. You, you could not picture two more extremely different people, two more extremely different situations, yet both of them respond to the gospel in time. Both of them pick up their identity as a witness for Christ. And it changed their lives and their families, in one case the nation, and both of them in many, many lives. I'll tell you what, folks, that'll get you through some hard days. When life's not coming together, the pieces aren't quite fitting right, Maybe you're struggling with a little bit of, of self-worth. You stop and think, man, look what God has made me. Look what God would do. I got to be a part of that. I got to be a part of both of these things. That'll help you lift yourself up out of the temporary and get your eyes back on eternity and what really counts. Man, that girl grew so beautiful in the Lord. I just had to go ahead and marry her. Yeah, witnessing things worked out pretty good for me all in all. Two very different settings. Folks, your identity is as a witness for Jesus. Don't misunderstand that the sermon today is to encourage you and challenge you to, to be a witness. Hey, you know what? Y'all should come. Come take this class. And at the end of the class, you'll get a certification that says you're now a witness for Jesus. This isn't about becoming something. You are presently, right now, a witness for Christ. Jesus declared that of you. It is your identity. The only question is whether I am and whether you are faithful with it or not. Will we move into tomorrow? Will we move into every day this week? Everywhere we go, every person we meet, everything we're doing, looking for an opportunity to be that witness. You know, folks, sometimes it's as easy as just speaking a sentence. A single sentence into a situation. How many this week, how many conversations do you think took place around the United States that, that the nature and the character of that conversation was about death and darkness and evil and fear and insecurity? I mean, I'm guessing after the Boston situation, there was a lot of those conversations at work and places this week, wasn't there? You know what? There's a lot of those conversations every week, whether there's been a Boston or not. 
And, and you know, you might be with a friend, you might be with a group of people and that kind of conversation is going on and man, yeah, I'll tell you what, that is frightening. I'm so grateful for the security that I have in my friendship with God. I mean, that, that might, phew, just a single sentence. Just, just drop it right into the middle of that conversation and that might be all. You might back away and just see where that goes and what it does. Maybe somebody's struggling with guilt, with fear. Man, I tell you what, greatest thing in my life is that knowledge, that security that I've been forgiven of every sin. And just one sentence might be the way you'll be a witness in that moment. You know another way you can be a witness? Simply inviting somebody to join you at church. I was reading a magazine this week. It's called Facts and Trends. The spring 2013 edition had this, had this, uh, this survey on a bunch of religious type things. And it did a survey and it said that 8 out of 10 people in America, actually it was 82%. But 8 out of 10 people in America are receptive to an invitation to church from a friend. Eight out of, is that a lot? Is that just me or is that a lot? You know, I couldn't help but wonder in my own life, how many times, how many times have I been so fearful of the two that would say no, so uncomfortable with maybe some awkwardness of those two that would say no, that I ignored the eight that would have said yes. Do those numbers, folks, because I'm guessing I'm not the only one in that. I'm totally living my life on the fear of the two and ignoring the eight that would have loved to have come to church with me this coming Sunday. We need to turn that around, don't we? And of course, we're looking every week, every day for that opportunity to do what we've talked about this morning, to actually be able to sit down maybe over a cup of coffee and to share that story, your story with Jesus, or to be able to share that, those gospel passages, that gospel outline. You are a witness. That's a fact. The question is, will you and I be faithful to it? Will we do the very simple thing that Jesus commanded us to do in Luke 8, 39? Declare the good that God has done for you. Let's pray. Father, I come before you in this moment. I pray my own prayer. I'm confident it is a prayer that all of us can pray. Lord, I am sorry for all the places that I've let fear or being ashamed or let my own insecurities overwhelm me and I, I withheld from somebody the good news that they could be your friend. I withheld from somebody the, the opportunity to know they could be forgiven of all their sins. Lord, a lot of us in here will think of ourselves as pretty good people and we wonder where you are and why you're not doing this and why you're not doing that. And maybe we're not even acknowledging that that every day of our lives we're living in disobedience when we refuse to be the witness that you've declared us to be. Before we're talking about anything else, we're ignoring our identity. We're not acting on our identity in this world. We will be so busy with all kinds of people this week, but we won't do the one thing we've been left on this earth to do.
God, would you forgive us of that? Would you change our heart and mind about that? Would you let these passages sink in? Begin to work in our life and and bring us to living out who we are and what we're called to do. Lord, we need your help for that. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.